Have you ever worshipped a golden cow? Probably not the thing that most gets asked in the church. But this is part of the story that we're facing today, that we have a group of people who were delivered from slavery and brought into freedom. And it's just an amazing story of God's redemptive hand to save a people from being oppressed by the enemy and brought into a place where God was going to give them freedom and lead them to a place of abundance in this promised land where he was leading them. And Moses, this character in this story, is the, is the man that is leading them now with Aaron, his brother. Now, what we see is that Moses goes off and to speak to God and, and to commune with him, to bring a message down to the people. But whilst he's gone, and he's been gone for 40 days and 40 nights, the people lose hope. And in losing hope, they turn their devotion to a golden calf. They make this golden calf and they start to worship it. They turn their devotion away from God to something that is man-made. And this is what is called idolatry. It's to give your attention to something that is not God and to worship it. But the danger with, with worship and idolatry is that we, we think idolatry is, is about those sinful things. You know, and we can all probably picture those things in our own mind. What, what doing something sinful is like. But actually... Idolatry can be sometimes doing, taking something that is good and making it a God thing in our life. And what does that mean? Well, for example, in our lives, we have loads of good things, don't we? We have money, we have friendships, we have work. But if those things start to have more of an influence over us than God himself, we know it can potentially be becoming an idol in our lives. And so today, what we're going to think about is what does it mean to have an idol? And how can we learn from the Israelites about how to keep God the focus in our lives and to keep our worship on him? It's really interesting that the culture around us will promise us lots of things. It will promise us lots of things. It will give to us. It will satisfy us. And we know by giving our lives to those things, we do not get satisfied. And the New Testament captures this really well in Romans 12. It's, so in Romans 12, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and your walk around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that it fits into your life without even you realising. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Isn't that interesting? That what it's saying is those things around you can actually develop the way you are. It will form you, it will make you, it will make you think differently and behave differently. And ultimately, it can distract you from worship of God. But we don't want to focus on the, the idol in the story. That's not where we want to put our attention because we want to be focusing on what led them to that place as a people because they saw miraculous provision, didn't they, this people? My wife works in a behavioral support unit and for those teachers, they never focus on the behavior of the children. They'll always focus on what leads them to behave like that. And there's, there's always things in our lives that we can use to point to the behavior. There might be things in your life that cause you to behave in a particular way, but we can't lean into those things anymore as Christians because we believe that God is able to set us free. Just as much as God has set people free from Egypt, he can set us free 
from those things in our lives that draw us to bad behaviours, to giving our attention to the wrong thing, that God is working that in you today. You know, they, they did that. Moses goes off into the mountain and they justify worshipping this cow based on the fact that Moses had disappeared. They were probably feeling abandoned. They probably were feeling that their hope was lost because suddenly they weren't going the direction that they felt they were going in, that things had changed. And in the midst of that, they turned their attention away from God to worshipping an idol. And so what can we learn from the Israelites in this story that will help us focus our attention on God? What did they do that they shouldn't have done? And what can we learn from that in our pursuit of him? Also, first of all, they lost sight of their salvation. You know, for those of us who know Jesus, he has saved us. He has set a new heaven before us, a, a new life, a life of, of abundance, a life eternal with Jesus. That He has put that in our hearts and he has radically changed our lives. He has set us free from darkness and from sin and brought us into a new kingdom where we can worship him and know him forever and know that life in abundance here on earth. And this is what the Israelites had had. They, they'd been released from the darkness of the oppression of, of Egypt over them and been brought into freedom. But they were forgetting that. They were forgetting the song of their hearts that were me was meant to be worship, that was meant to be celebratory, to remember what God had done and was continuing to do for them. We've been learning in Lent, haven't we, about how to be thankful. They'd forgotten how to be thankful. And so I want to encourage you, just with this first point, is to be thankful. Think about all the things that God has done for you in Christ, how, how he has set a new hope and a new future in you to take you forward in him for eternity. And maybe just think about how you can spend a bit of your day just reflecting on that, especially as we lead up to Easter, remembering the cross and being thankful for his mercy and his goodness towards us. Secondly, they didn't see what God was forming in them. That God was forming in them a heart for him, but also he was making them a people for him. He was making them a people that would love him and be transformed by him, that they might be blessed, that they might be a blessing. And they lost track of that. They lost track of what God was working in them. You know, God is forming something in you today. You know, right wherever you are today, whether you're sat in your living room, whether you're out and about listening to this, God is working something in you. He's working something deep because he wants you to know the life and the love that can only come from God himself. That he might form something in you, that he might make you more like Christ, that you might reflect his goodness to the world. And they'd forgotten that. They'd forgotten who they were becoming. And so let's learn from that today. Let's think about what, God, what is God making me to be today? What type of man is he making me? What type of father is he making me? What type of work colleague is he making me? Think about what God is making you, wherever you are, whatever your circumstance is. What is God forming in you? Because that is what he's interested in today, is who you're becoming. And thirdly, they've forgotten that they were a chosen people, that they were set apart for God, that they belonged to him. You know, and we're reminded of this in, in Peter. You know, in Peter it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
This was the same promise that was given to them. That's what God wanted to do for them. And he's now calling us as a church to do that. That you are called to be part of the body of Christ, to be connected with other believers, that you might reflect the goodness of God to the world. What an amazing thing that we get to do is to declare hope to a nation that is perishing. To declare hope to a people who are hopeless. That we are a people who can reflect God's salvation to a world. You know, this is the echo of the church. And this is where we start. We start with worship. We start by drawing near to the one who is able to work that in us. You know, what I love about God is it's not about your faithfulness. It's not about how good you are or how good you'll ever be. But it's always about God's goodness and his faithfulness towards us. In 2 Timothy 2.13 it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. In 1 Thessalonians it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. You know, the Lord is working something in you today. And we need to be able to present that to him and say, God, what are you doing in me? Who am I becoming today? Let me not be distracted by the things of the world, the things that would distract me from your goodness and the life that you have promised to me. Let us be a people that devote our worship to God, that he alone is worthy in our lives to receive our worship, that he might have the highest place in everything that we say, everything that we do, and everything that we work out in our lives, that we might fix our eyes on him. God is working something good out in his church. You know, Matthew 5 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We have the greatest news of all. As the church, we are the carriers of good news, Jesus Christ. You know, again, as we approach Easter, we're reminded of the cross, that Jesus himself stepped into our lives and gave us a way to know God, that we might be set free from darkness, set free from slavery, and have a life in eternity with him. And we get to share that good news with others. We get to reveal that goodness to others, that we might reveal who he is through us, through the church. And today, so today, whilst we think about what it means to be faithful to God, let's remember his faithfulness first. Let's, let's operate out of thankfulness to him. Let's remember what he's working in each one of us today, wherever we are, that God is working something good in you as you put your trust in him, as you remain faithful to him, as you draw close to him, he will work out his goodness in you. But also remember what you are made for. You are made for worship and you are made to reflect the goodness of God to the world. And so I pray that over us today. I pray that God would reveal himself more to us, that we remember his salvation, that we remember his goodness working on us and we remember that we are made for purpose. Amen.